1: And welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast. Gavus, we're in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <laughs> identity, <laughs> culture, <laughs> what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for <laughs> thought—the only show where cup of Joe doesn't mean coffee; it means come.
2: Oh, oh no! no. Accurate. Oh, my. Uh, we we
3: might, accurate. We might accurate. be the
2: only show, but we're not the only thoughts. Uh, I feel like Kenya is already this good. The looks on Kenya's face so far have just uh, been like, I do I'm, not agree. I did not consent to be here Listen, in this I, uh,
0: I agree. Am I shocked? Yes. I Am I stunned? <laughs> Absolutely yes. But I'm happy to be here. I'm very happy to be and here.
2: I would like to <laughs> report, namely for my boyfriend, who is an aficionado of bucket hats uh, for no reason because they're horrible. Kenya I is wearing them. a bucket hat.
0: I
1: love bucket hats. They're just...
0: They're just like bucket hats, you know. I, I,
1: just, you know, they, look you know? they actually are. Ken, I will agree with Kenya. Yeah. They actually are bucket hats. Uh, I, I, love, still, I love a bucket, bucket hat. It's giving like 2002, the end of yes. the 90s. You know, right? What I mean? That's where
0: I'm trying to be. That's where I'm trying to mentally stay because I can't with right now. You know. Mm-hmm. We
2: back, remember when we were just like, oh, global warming is probably gonna suck at some. Yeah, time. probably. Right, 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 back right. Back then, right. you know. Yeah. Right, where we yeah. only had like one stolen election to worry about
0: only
3: one not
2: like every stolen election it it hadn't become Mm -hmm. a pattern just yet at that time (laughs) no we had just one pandemic remember when there was just one pandemic yeah I don't even remember that one I just
1: I remember being like h1n1 this is funny
2: (laughs) right that's a throwback h1n1 bitch it was like zika virus
3: ain't nobody worried about no zika virus up in here
2: listen mm. <laughs> not zika that's a deep cut the zika virus is a deep cut we appreciate that from you
1: um so i am tommy Teebs pico indigenous american poet screenwriter tv writer and i'm sorry if i'm a little rough today but i stayed up until four in the morning watching the new stranger things and oh, wow. i i just i love that that show is so gay to me that is amazing. In I what way is a- it gay? Well, one of them is obsessed with his friend. And, like, it okay. is mad that his friend has a girlfriend. Mm. Then also, like, Eleven is giving me a hard femme vibes. Like, amazing. I remember when I first saw Stranger Things, I was at a bar in Portland in 2016, and the sound was off. And I saw her in a, a dress. And I thought it was a boy in a dress. And I was like, look at this person. Aggressive ass show. It turned out that uh, Eleven was a girl. But I mean, my first imprint of that show was it being very gay.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That show's been
1: around for that long?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, I'm Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer. And between my book launching in less than a week and monkeypox Pox being a, a thing... And COVID still being a really bad thing. And the semester of hell just ending. I'm so tired.
1: I'm tired just listening wow. to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm no. a husk.
2: I, I'm an empty husk You're, of a human you person. You are a wane little I'm husk. I'm so
0: sorry about that. I hope you get some sleep soon. Sleep is important.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: What? Sorry. What were you, I was snapping. Sorry. I'm back.
3: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm Den Michelle Norris and I'm a reader, a writer, a former figure skater. And even though I don't always believe in allowing white people time to rest, um, in Ho's case, I'm just going to say, baby, you need to learn how to say no. Uh,
0: okay. Okay. Uh. Mm-hmm. Hi, everyone. I'm Kenya Denise. I am the co-founder and owner of Domino Sound. Mm. I'm a writer, a psychedelic researcher. And I bought this joint at the bodega, and I don't think it was weed. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know what it was. Like, it said THC on it, but I've smoked a lot of weed in my life, and I swear it's not real. And I keep seeing all these things about THC derivatives, and I just want to know, mm. like, where is the real weed at in New York City? Right. Did you try to sprinkle it on a- pizza? Because it could have been oregano. Listen.
2: they fit <laughs> times. There's supposed to be a dispensary in Williamsburg that people like. Like a uh, legit dispensary. I want to, like to go to, to Williamsburg? Take, that, take a little bit of that, go get another joint and send it to Berkeley for testing. I,
0: I might have to, because the thing is, I liked it. But I was like, "This is not weed."
1: So, what did it get you? Like high adjacent?
0: Kind of adjacent, but like in a way that it was not weed, you know. And it wasn't CBD either, because like I like to smoke CBD too, but it wasn't that. So I feel like there's some weird mutant stuff going on, and Mm. I'm interested to learn more.
1: Mm. I started Mm. doing these Mm. uh, pre rolls called Dad Grass because they they (laughs) advertise it as. Uh, having a glass of wine instead of the whole bottle, which is like kind uh-huh, of. Oh,
0: that's so good.
1: Like, so it's like, it's like, it, it's like very a mild high and it's just mm-hmm. what I need. Like when the sun goes down and I'm about to watch Stranger Things and I'm strapped in for this <laughs> ride and I don't want to be like, So high that I can't stop putting on chapstick. You know what I mean? But like, (laughs) oh my God, that's a good
2: high. (laughs) That
1: is a good high.
2: That is is not a good high, Kenya. That is a rough space to be in. Right. I've been been doing this for 20 minutes. (laughs) No,
0: you can get too high. And I I think it's really cute that. There's like brands that target to like parents. So have you heard of Dosist? It's like the vape that when you take an inhale, it vibrates and lets you know that your hit's done. And so it's really good for parents. And we got one for Donald and he was so excited. Alex's dad and it just went around the circle and it was completely gone <laughs> by wow. the time that he was like ready to use it because the kids wow. just we just said fuck the vibration just give me fuck, more hits going. You know? give me, give, but man,
2: it, it is it's 2022. Cute. Right, it's it's 2022 right it's
0: 2022 what's
2: what's
3: a hit who
0: needs
2: to we, need we all need infinite hits right yeah, so we right. I mean, th- need th- to get knocked out not just out.
3: a hit we need right. <laughs> like we need to be put out of our misery for right.
2: a period of time. I, right. think I, got the, I think I got the menu for y'all. You ready? Yeah, yes. Be ready. For, first off, we give some, actually, I'm so excited for this Penny for Your Thoughts because it, I think it's gonna be a little spicy. We Ooh. give some spicy advice in Penny for Your Thoughts. The whole show today is meant to be about levity, comedy, how in such dark times we can make one another laugh and how important that is to sort of our ongoing survival. And we end, as always, with one little bite. But the only question is, what hole is that bite going inside of? Ooh, Ooh my donut hole. <laughs> Take it away. Mm.
1: I think it's... I, I, mm, buck, 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 be <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit peckish. I think it's time we start the top of the show the way any good top should with a little tease, our uproarious appetizer segment amuse Boosh. Den, I think you have something to say. Cha ching, get out your coin versus benches. It's time for Penny for Your Thoughts. That's right. Oh, shit. Uh, our- our, she um, remembered her life Yes, Den, remembering is the new doing So
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> No really though, to. it is <laughs> this, 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 I didn't mean for that to come out But it hurt <laughs> It hurt <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yes, our, our uh, Advice segment Where we, you should absolutely not take our advice Who's got the question?
2: I do, I do This one actually comes from a Twitter mention Not even a DM but it was specifically Ooh. tweeted that this this should be a call-in question for Food for Thought Pod. So here's the question. So a girl who used to sling homophobic phrases to me in junior high school is on Tinder cruising for women because she's, quote, always been curious. And don't worry, her, quote, husband knows she's on here. Do I match or do I not match? Swipe right, swipe left. The homophobic teen who used to torture you. Oh my god! Getting it in. Oh my god!
1: Wow. I, oh. I think I think right all the way. I have Teeps. to say, I have to say, because like, <laughs> I, not just not because I want to, just because I would like to see if we're matched, so that then I could tell you why were you such a fucking bitch to me when we was in when we were in middle school or whatever.
2: Wow.
4: I mean, teams
2: I mean, just getting it, using it to be in the same room as the person so you could do a full-on confrontation.
3: Vengeance, vengeance is a tempting lover. Um, in, <laughs> in my <laughs> humble opinion, there's a lot of factors to be considered here. Um, yeah. But here are the two main reasons why I might consider swiping right on this person. One, simply to troll them for payback. Give them a little oh. pain. And two, if they're someone that you like were attracted to or had a big crush on, swipe right and fuck the shit out of them oh. so that by the time you're done with them and they've been rode hard and put away dripping wet, it is very oh clear to them that they are <laughs> unequivocally a fagot in whatever oh, context wow. that means. Dead.
2: So you're, like, you're literally saying sex as conversion therapy, but conversion from straight to gay. 100%. 100%. Wow.
0: wow.
3: And then I mean... leave them wanting more, knowing that they'll never get it as good again. So those are two reasons why, why <laughs> I, you would swipe right.
0: I, I, um, <laughs> Wow. I think what would you do, Kenya? You guys are very radical. Thank you for those opinions. Um, I think, <laughs> Thank you for those opinions. <laughs> I think, first of all, I think most homophobic kids in high school, as I remember, are fucking gay now. Yeah, dude. So mm. it's like the most common thing for a homophobe bully to be gay in adult life. Like, it's just a thing. So... I mean, I don't know if I would be, like, swiping right, trying to be cute. I think I would more message them. I don't know. Can you message them on this thing?
2: You have to swipe right to message. Okay,
0: so okay, so then I would swipe right just to message. And I would say something super cryptic like, I see you, though. Oh, oh my God! And just never respond ever again
1: oh my nightmare. god i love that one i love <laughs> it i love that y'all. spicy take
2: kenya denise y'all. is an evil genius y'all are wild i have to say so th- this has not happened to me but uh, a, a while ago i had a dm in my facebook from a person who i remembered vaguely I, there was so much homophobia spewed at me when i was young that like this mm-hmm. person doesn't even particularly stand out as doing it but they like were they came to like apologize And I will write them back eventually, but I've been so blocked about it because it just like unlocks a place in me that I kind of like, I don't know that I could fuck my way through. I don't know that I can forgive my way through. It's just like, I actually do the therapy thing where I'm just like, how can I care for the trauma that was done to little baby Joe at that time? You know what I mean? I I kind of need to put... Distance between myself and right. d- the, the people who were directly harming me, uh, sort of relentlessly day in and day out, to the point where I just always felt on the I was on the brink of violence. I don't think a swipe right would help me in this particular situation. Yeah,
0: I feel like you would catch a case.
2: Yeah. You, you uh, like that's what it sounded 100%. like. Like it sounding
0: yeah. like you would catch a case. Yeah. So I would like, yeah. I would
2: like, be t- I would be topping them and like pushing, like like pushing their head into the pillow. But then I would just like lose all <laughs> sensibility and like fully crack their neck. You know, and they would. I die see that. There, you know, I see that. We, I, I don't think I trust myself to to be a good version. To be, I, I I don't know. Dying during sex might be good. Sex. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I'm not Take it there.
0: Myself, Take it there. Okay. I'm not, I'm
2: pu- I'm not putting myself in the, <laughs> in this particular set of circumstances. I don't think like, I have a question, though, for the group since we're talking about this. Were there ever moments in your youth that you were like picking on someone for being like a faggot? Because I feel like that, you know, it's such a common defense. <laughs> Everyone is like, we were too gay. No. <laughs> no. Well, I
0: think also, because like, I know you guys are only like four years older than me, but I feel like four years now with the internet, it's like, it's a gap. And I really do feel like I came up right at the time where everyone was like super bisexual. Like, I feel like we definitely said things that like, probably like, we would always be like, you're so gay. That's so gay," But we were all gay. So it was kind of like, (laughs) like I (laughs) wouldn't say it now, but like we were just so crude about it. Um, But I think I just kind of grew up in that kind of city environment, which I'm really grateful for. And no, I I didn't bully. I I wasn't really a bully. I tried for one
2: week in sixth grade. One week in sixth (laughs) grade, I tried. And it did bad things to my conscious and it couldn't couldn't continue. It's hard to be a bully when you have
3: such a punchable face
2: yeah a very punchable <laughs> face it did some bad things to my conscience but the thing is it doesn't make you feel any better nor does it like make you not bullied really it's like not it a good
0: yeah
2: it's not a good practical outcome for the set of circumstances that you're actually living through i didn't I bully people always... for being
1: gay i
2: bullied people for being
1: dumb <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense yeah,
2: yeah. That makes. Sense. Teams That's are bully kind of, teams. You, you are kind of a, a bully you have a bullying mouth
1: I don't I, have a bullying mouth. I just like putting bitches in their place. That's all. I mean, and, and bitches need to be should. put in
3: their place. They exactly. do. As I went should. to schools so, where the Socratic method was really popular, so I didn't oh bully people God. for being gay, and I didn't ever consider myself a bully. I was I was very loved as a child, and so I did not feel the need to make my... Like, I didn't have to make other people feel bad in order to feel good. I felt good automatically because I'm me, and why wouldn't I? Period. Um, but as a... But in classes, I would drag people when they said dumb shit in class. I wouldn't just be like, you're a dumb bitch, but I would break down why what they said was dumb. And that it's I never thought of that as bullying, because, again, it like we I was often taught in the Socratic method. But um, but in fact, it might have been because. Right. I, I it wasn't just in the spirit of intellectual debate or rigor like I was being a little bitch.
1: and just to clarify i didn't actually bully anyone i would just say like well hooked on phonics didn't work for you did it (laughs) (laughs) because it had to be funny that's the thing it couldn't just be mean it had to be funny that's how
2: i grew up
0: okay so but the thing is did hooked on phonics work for anyone. <laughs>
2: wow. I think it works about as well as Dare to treat, keep keep people off drugs.
0: Well, let me be the face of how <laughs> Dare did not work. 100,000 percent does not work. It motivated yeah. me more, in fact. I, I really say. hope
2: this person gets back in touch with us and lets us know in which direction they swiped yes. and which, which of these possibilities they came up with. Teebs is bullying the person once you get them alone in a room. Den's fucking them gay. Uh, <laughs> or my absolute inability to get over trauma.
1: Check. That, that clears. Yeah. The check. It out. Yeah. Yeah, figured it out. Genius. All right. well. <laughs> I hope you got something out of that, uh, answer. I think it's time we get to the meat of our discussion, the thought process the T H O T, And to sling our meat this week, it's me! So, Yay! I was in the inbox of all these thoughties because he, the world seems so dark right now. And... I, you know, so many things that have been happening have made me feel absolutely sick to my stomach. And we're not even in a Republican fucking regime right now. Right, right. <laughs> Or are we? Or are we? So I thought maybe we'd get a li- like add the levity to this conversation and just talk generally about comedy because mm. it's something that I've always used to get over. It's something that I've always used, not I mean, sometimes as a defense mechanism, but also as a coping mechanism. And I think like there are, I love in the same vein that I love people's voices. I love people's sense of humor. And I'm always so curious about how they developed their sense of humor. Well, those of us mm-hmm. who have. A, I mean, they, that's what right. I'm <laughs> so, basically, <laughs> exclu- basically,
2: basically excluding me. Yeah, I am yeah, not yeah. involved in this
1: conversation <laughs> So, my first question is: going back in time uh, to your uh, t- to your formative years, what do you think informed your sense of humor? Was it a television show? Was it a comedian? Was it a confluence mm. of things? Was it your family? Like, because, mm. well, like I said before in the in the penny, like uh, you know. On the res, you you could get away with an insult, but it had to be funny. Like, it couldn't mm-hmm. be cruel. It had to be funny. And I feel like so much of my sense of humor was given to me by my cousins. It was given to me mm-hmm. by my, not my parents, they're not really that, my parents aren't funny, but my cousins are, <laughs> my cousins were hilarious. The way that they would roast each other. And then, but it but it yeah. encouraged me to be quick on my feet. It encouraged me to come mm-hmm. back stronger. And also it, it taught me how to take a joke. When it mm-hmm. was when it was a joke. But the other right. thing I think that was instrumental in 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 setting my sense of humor. I mean it was like the sitcoms of it was 90s sitcoms, but specifically I mm-hmm. think of The Simpsons. That is something yes. that I watched on end all the time. And Living Single. Those were like I think yes. my two.
0: Iconic. Um
1: but I think Kenya, I had you? a
0: similar experience to you, well, at least part of my humor. Um I don't know. I kind of just was born thinking everything was funny, but also black people are just hella funny. And like with half my family being from New Orleans and half from DC, I mean, I was just like around the funniest motherfuckers of all time. Like, uh, they could just really curse someone out in the most beautiful, hilarious way. So (laughs) I really grew up like appreciating that and loving that. So yeah, my cousins, but also my aunts and uncles, um, So I think that's where the beginning of my comedy, like it was just kind of natural, like how black people are. And especially we're really good at um, using laughter and comedy to deal with like really intense trauma. So I've definitely seen that. Um, But I would say like when I got a little bit older, like in my teenage years, I really, really appreciated Cat Williams. Um, as a comic. oh my god yes like like the early cat williams i was just like absolutely addicted to it i also really liked Key and peel i like really liked fuckboy comedy when i was just you know like <laughs> yeah, young yeah. stoner, like and i just love that shit um i like physical comedy like i like charlie chaplin um mm. and yeah i definitely love like sitcoms um i feel like when i was growing up it was very much uh, like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Bel- type stuff. Like that mm. was like the funniest show of all time to me. Like I just love that show so much. And like Martin. Oh my mm. God, Martin. Yo, Martin. Oh my God, <laughs>
1: terrific. Martin, <laughs> <laughs> of, is... Martin and Living Single were on the same night. It was like right. the best night. Yes. It was Thursday night. It was the best night of the it week. Was... Yeah, fuck, um, I mean, fuck what... NBC, fuck Friends. Curious, Ken, have you have you watched the um, Fresh Prince uh, reboot?
0: No, I'm kind of one of those people when I love the original so much, I'm like, I'm not even really trying to see it, <laughs> the new mm. one. Like, but I would try it, but I haven't
1: seen it. Because it's not a comedy.
0: Yeah, it's like a yeah. drama. I, I, and mm-hmm. I was kind of like, OK, I could definitely see that story as a drama. But I don't know. I, I loved the comedy of it, but I do think it only could exist in the time that it did exist. Like, I think right now it couldn't be the same show.
3: What about you, Den? First of all, I didn't know that that show had even been rebooted. So <laughs> shocking news! We, we
2: have literally queen of pop it culture? On this show before <laughs> on this show, teams, and talked about it before.
3: Honestly, I forgot that. Um, so my, I feel like my sense of humor definitely my family is the most formative basis, but with the caveat that like my family was a little bit different. In that, I don't know if it had to do with because they were so religious or what. There are certain aspects of sort of, like, standard things in in sort of Black families and Black humor that I feel like my family didn't really engage in. So, like, there was no mm-hmm. real roasting of people um, in my, like, circle going around. Uh, what my family did that was so great, that was just very performative, very theatrical, and lots of storytelling.
1: Mm-hmm. So
3: I, you know, and so... Like, I'm—my sisters are 17 and 15 years older than me, and so, like, my favorite thing as a little kid—and my parents would do this, especially when we were in the car driving to see family—was for them to tell me really hilarious, funny stories about my sisters from when they were kids, like, before—way before I was born, just hearing them be crazy. And so— so much of my sense of humor is less around quick comebacks and jokes. Mm-hmm. Not that I can't do that sometimes, but it's really around, um, story storytelling and, and inhabiting characters and inhabiting voices and things like that. And so that's, that's the foundation for sure. Um, but in terms of sitcoms, like my family, I mean, Martin is legendary mm-hmm. and my family, Shanene was formative for me. Hello, um, yeah, We like shenanigans was important. Um, And so all of the movies that sort of were in that tradition as well. Living single was also really, really formative for me at an early age. Um, But again, I grew up in this family context where there was so much of general pop culture um, that I was restricted from from consuming. And that I didn't start to consume until I was in high school but and college. But once I did, I got really into it. So, like, I really, really love stand-up. And I fell in love with Wanda Sykes around that time and her mm-hmm. stand-up specials. I loved Kathy Griffin, um, who, again, her stand-up at that time was really oriented around tell- storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. And I will also say... The sitcom *Girlfriends*, which I've just been recently Ugh, binging again on Netflix. Y'all, y'all will hear me talk about *Girlfriends* all the time, but that show is fucking funny. Ugh. Tracy Ellis Ross is a comedic genius, and mm-hmm. I mean, yes. people do know it because of *Blackish*, but like long before that, she was a comedic genius, as well as all of those women were. And mm-hmm. so that show really um, invited for me, like a space to sort of center femininity and black femininity in comedy. Mm. And that was something that Mm. I wasn't seeing a whole lot of in other areas. Um, Living single had some of that as well, but in terms of me being old enough to sort of begin to understand and conceptualize and appreciate that um, girlfriends was really pivotal for me as well. So there's all these different like things that
2: sort of inform that. Wow. What about you, Ho? I, you know, I have such a different childhood than so many folks on this call. Uh, I had a very atomic um, family, nuclear family, uh, white upbringing. I did not grow up around my cousins. I saw my extended family once a year, um, like, you know, fully like mom, dad, sister, me, household. Um, and so it's just so, it's so different. How
4: up?
2: sort of culture and and then like grew up in a town where like I didn't have a lot of I didn't have a ton of friends just just straight up like when I was younger didn't have a ton of friends so I feel like my approach and and I also don't like I don't find myself that funny I love comedy and I love laughing and I love laughing with my friends but it's something I've really had to like in, in my work in my on this show and in my writing I've had to develop like a craft of like how to make a joke how you set up a punchline, how you are funny. And this, honestly, the show has been so great. I'm so grateful for the experience of this show, the ability to like clown one another. Like I do that with my friends now too, but to do it in a way where I like can actually do it on a podcast that I'm not like, Horrifically embarrassed to send out into the world for people to listen to Um, and just in general being a little bit more loose and performative than my like academic training and my like atomic nuclear horrible family whiteness background uh has has allowed for me has just been you know queerness is really the way out you know queerness like really allows like different types of structures and more of an extended family structure when you didn't grow up with that like my queer family has like like, people are funny in such different ways people are from all over the country and all over the world and bring their own sort of senses of humor and we have our own like inside jokes are so funny you know when you can like make a, a crack that like recalls something that happened like five years ago that everyone in the room was at and it was so funny so i just it's been like definitely a journey and like letting go of my self-seriousness a little bit mm-hmm. to be able to actually like make jokes and definitely you know my my humor, i'm actually it's funny you brought this up teams because i am doing the whitest thing in the world where i'm re- i've started re-watching seinfeld from the beginning I I do this every once in a while. I love Seinfeld. I think it's so funny. I think the writing is so smart. Like there's always an A-plot and a B-plot, which is such a sitcom trope, but the A-plot and B-plot usually come together in Seinfeld in a way that like at that time in sitcom writing, that didn't happen so much where it's sort of like a unified story, but you don't kind of see that to the end. Um, And I find that like hilarious. Sort of, there's a lot of dramatic irony. Because mm. the the viewer is, like, piecing things together. There's a lot of physical comedy as well in that mm. show. I just, like, still to this day, I find it so fucking funny. And Elaine is <laughs> the fu- – it's, like, she is subtly – the acting is so good. Mm. And she is so funny. And so, like, that, I just, like, watch Elaine and I'm, like, how can I, like, be, like – Crack. A joke like she does.
1: I'm curious because I think a lot of people in the pandemic, uh, especially during, you know, f- season one of the pandemic where, you know, people were just staying inside all the time. I-, I think a lot of people were revisiting comedies like The Office and Scrubs and and, you know, totally. Martin, all that kind of stuff. Um, is there anything that you have re-engaged with that it's humor has not aged well?
0: I mean, I think everything that I've re-engaged with hasn't aged well and it kind of can't. Like my favorite um, Cat Williams up I just watched two nights ago with Alex, the Pimp Chronicles part one. And it was, it's so good. And it was almost non-toxic. Like it was almost, almost, almost. like there, it was like, it didn't come right out and do it, but it was, it was just like, wow. But even that, which I think was literally so, so well done and considering that was 20 years ago and the topics that were covered um but barely anything ages well and speaking of girlfriends that is one of my favorite shows of all time we revisited at the beginning of the pandemic revisiting it again now i'm obsessed the fashion the comedy but something i have really noticed is like the fat phobia and i did not oh. notice this when i was young The fat phobia on every show that I used to watch, like, the way they make so many jokes about just, like, being a little chubby, needing to get skinnier, like, needing to lose weight, dieting, like, it is something that was just, like, so normalized, and I didn't, like, pick up on that. I mean, I'm sure I absorbed it as a young girl, but I didn't, like, pick up on it, whereas now... I'm like, wow, that was fact phobic. Like sometimes they say something and I'm like, damn, I can't believe they said that. Mm-hmm. But it was like 2004 and people were saying that. So, and and even though I find it like not super harmful, like, I mean, it, it, it is harmful, but it's not like the worst example. Um, but yeah, even things like that really just stick out to me um, and show how much we've somewhat progressed as a society.
1: But well, I mean, that was the somewhat. punchline. The- it's the it's not an interesting punchline anymore. Like, right. the punchline right. is you're fat. And it's like right. so the fuck what? Right. Yeah. Big fat is beautiful. It's, like it's, like the,
2: it's totally in Seinfeld as well, right? Like eighty percent of the George jokes are either fat or bald. Like that's right. it. that's like the entirety of the joke is like you are fat or you are bald. Um and then all of the insecurities around like how that how he's treated by women for those reasons
1: and and there was like also a thing like uh, in Friends and in the New Girl like b- being fat in the past largely f- uh, figured into the mm. plot and it was like mm. now I'm not and I'm so much better and like right. that's yeah. just and also at this time you know you'd go to a, a supermarket checkout line and every magazine was like who's gained weight who's too Yo. skinny you know yeah Yo. mm-hmm. It was not right. So
3: I was... First of all, really quickly about Girlfriends. I was thinking about that just this weekend because William is mm-hmm. awful about weight. And then William
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, is told by the by a, a psychic to date um, Jill Scott, who's playing this right. character Donna. And, you know, she's a full-figured woman. And he's all like, oh, she's cute. She's so beautiful. And I kept watching. And I remember that when she was on the show, it was kind of a big deal. Like, Jill Scott was right. going to be on Girlfriends. And right. I was just watching this. And I was like, but see, if it wasn't Jill Scott, like, if they hadn't specifically mm-hmm. been like, we're getting Jill Scott and we're putting her on this show, that would not have gone down like that, at least if they're mm-hmm. being, if they're keeping up with continuity. Because William wasn't trying to fuck with fat women. Or not at all. And all of the women on the show were so skinny. And so I was thinking about that. But another thing that I was thinking about, like, in regards to, like, even Friends, which I sort of casually grew up on and started watching a couple years ago and got through some of it. And also Girlfriends, because I took them very differently at different Mm -hmm. times, is how comedies talked about queerness and being gay. Mm. And it's really interesting for me because... A lot of this has to do with my family, my context. I also, I didn't grow up around, the only black people that I was around when I was growing up were like church folk. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: you know, in in Ohio, that's like what there was. I didn't even get exposed to sort of any other way of operating as a black person in America until I went to college. And I didn't even realize that until I got to college and everyone wasn't trying to shove Jesus down my throat. And um, I remember (laughs) that watching Girlfriends, which started airing, when I was a freshman in high school, you know, there was constantly, almost in every episode, there was some kind of joke about homosexuality, even though it was, and sometimes transness actually. And they actually did have just like a cameo with like a trans character really quickly, once or twice. But I remember that at the time, I took, we were so starved for media representation and I was so starved for any kind of intersection between queerness and Blackness that I only took that to be affirming. That visibility, even as the punchline, as always the punchline in all these different moments, for me, told me, oh, here is a context of Black people where I can actually be gay and be queer and it's, and it's fine because that's all we had in terms of representing queer Black people on TV. And like the role that it had for me was really, really affirming. And it was part of me envisioning a life for myself beyond what I was growing up within and where I was. And yet I can look back on it with a 2022 lens and be like, that's horribly problematic. That's so homophobic. Why it gotta be a problem? Why, why does the hippie character who's so free loving and actually has had sex with women and his name is name as having had sex with women, making comments like, oh, you need to watch out for your son in this moment. like?" Like, there's so many different things there. But for me, at that time and in the context that I was in, all it did was make me feel affirmed and make me feel like there was a context and a place within this country where I could be visible. And I've been thinking a lot about that um, really intensely as I look back on that show and other shows as well.
1: There's a... Is there... um <clears throat> Excuse me. I remember watching uh, a scary movie recently just because I uh, like heard Anna, Anna Ferris like on a podcast or something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember because that, that was her first big role. That movie is so fucked up. Like, Uh (laughs) excuse me. (laughs) It is so, like, there is a character named Mr. Man, or no, Mrs. Man, she's the PE teacher. And it's a Republican fever dream. It's like every single Republican talking point in 2022 about anti-trans shit is like Mm -hmm. just in that movie where like, it's really a man Who wants? Who's pretending to be a woman so that she can, uh, so that he can get in the locker room and like see girls naked? And it's like so fucked up. And like the other, the the two of the killers, their whole motivation for being killers is that they're gay. (laughs) And like, and but the thing is, like, there, there is still some like, the 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 um bottom line for the punchline has obviously changed. And I think about like the sort of Paula Pell, uh, Tina Fey sort of comedy where it, when it gets into its problematic regions, it's like the the punchline is like, that person has an accent. Isn't their accent right. funny, you know? But I'm curious if there are any jokes you remember from early comedy specials, early television shows or something that has kind of stuck with you. And I'll tell you mine. It was from the Queens of Comedy, And (laughs) Monique had this joke where she was like because I think this is this saved the joke and it saved it from being homophobic where Mm -hmm. she was like, I'm sorry if there are any homosexuals in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm sorry um, because anal sex is some painful, horrible shit but I like it now. (laughs) And then she just goes (laughs) on her whole anal sex journey and how she gets her partner into anal sex too. And like, it's just, I was like, it was so good. The turn of that joke was so good that I was like, this is cause it's like, it sets you up for the expectation of homophobia. And then it's like,
2: I get it. Getting it up the butt is nice. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely, I think um, mine is actually not from a comedy special, but I have this distinct memory. I just find it hilarious it's actually from the simpsons teams of um you know everyone makes fun of millhouse and i feel like i identified with millhouse for this reason and millhouse wears like three-quarter length pants and like it's an episode where like everyone's making fun of him for his like three-quarter length pants and at the at very end of the episode the house floods and everyone gets their shoes and socks and pants wet but millhouse doesn't get his pants wet because he's wearing three-quarter length pants and he just goes everything's coming up millhouse and i was like yes millhouse <laughs> The entire episode, the entire your entire outfit is like a setup for this moment where the thing that you get made fun of for is really your special power. I remember also Millhouse. Uh, so me
1: and my friend Lauren have this running joke because her her um, screen name on Instagram is Thrilkinson because when Millhouse bought a video game, he <laughs> he 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 input his name as Thrillhouse, but it cut off, so it was just Thrillho. <laughs> yes, because he couldn't fit that many letters on it and that's also everything's coming at millhouse that character sticks out that sticks out so clear to me as like yeah i can see why you would identify with that character
4: <laughs> 100 no, i get it.
2: i see it i am i am millhouse
3: honestly the way your hair looks right now in the zoom hoe i you really the shape of your head i don't know i, I see it too
2: i could fully be a simpsons character right now with how i Everything really is good. a disaster.
0: It looks great.
1: <laughs> what about what about you two? Is there any are there any punchlines or jokes that stick out in your mind from pop culture? Or, or?
0: yes, um, there's so many, but I think one. You know those ones that, like, those lines in movies that you just, like, scream along anytime you see the movie, even though you've seen it, like, 2,000 times, it's kind of unhealthy? So, like, white chicks, (laughs) listen. Yeah, my God. That movie is so problematic, but I just love it so much. Ever since I first saw it, I've loved it so much. And I just love the part at the end where Terry Crews is, like, on the ground and there's the big reveal um, that they're, like, not who they say they are. And the girl, or like one of the Wayans, as the girl is like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not this person," and he's like, "You mean to tell me you're not a white woman?" And it's <laughs> just like the the reaction of that all the shit has gone down, and he was just so shocked, <laughs> even though they looked nothing like white women at all. It was just so ridiculous, and always just stands out to me. I also love, and I don't. This isn't a punchline, and I don't even know if this was like laugh out loud funny, but. Daria was really funny to me when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And I just loved how she used to do that hand during the opening. Like, things would be thrown at her and she just didn't try at all and just extended the hand slowly (laughs) after. And I just, like, loved that energy and it always made me chuckle.
1: Yeah, I mean, Daria is a queen of disaffection. I love it so much.
0: I just love that vibe.
3: Love it. Daria, Daria still inspires me to this day and I'm very excited for um, the series that Trace Ellis Ross is doing um, as Jody, uh, I think having graduated college, when, eventually, when, it, when that comes out eventually. Um, so for me, and go with me here. Um, so there's this moment in The Nanny, which is a show that I also oh deeply, deeply love. Oh my God, the love. nanny
0: was so good in the nanny. fashion. Wow. The, na- the,
3: the, the nanny, it's funny because, right, by the way, right now, two-piece sets, like a crop top and a skirt or, or a shorts or whatever, that are matching, that's very in right now. And that's a trend that I don't think has been in for a long time. And I was prepared for it because I was, I rewatched the nanny in January and I was like, I need to get some sets. And then three months later I started seeing them appear everywhere in fast fashion. And I was like, Oh, this is a thing right now. Not maybe because of the nanny, but for me it was, but anyway, there's this episode of the nanny where um, Fran is obsessed with, with just gossip and being nosy and Mr. Sheffield comes home um, with some Broadway celebrity who's just had a uh, uh, plastic surgery and They're completely covered up and the whole episode, Fran and Niles are trying to figure out who this person is. And eventually they figure out um, that that it's Cher, that Cher is staying in their house, recovering from having had plastic surgery. And so at the end of the episode, um, I think she's accidentally spilled Spilled the secret to the press, and the press is surrounding the house, and they're trying to get Cher out of the house. And um she has joked in this episode in previous episodes that she her uncle Ira um is is a female impersonator slash maybe trans person, trans woman, um, and does the best Cher like this side of, of Queens or whatever. And so The end of the episode is them showing, you know, having invited the press into the house. They're standing at the bottom of the staircase. They start playing um, a classic Cher song and they walk out. And the whole goal is that they're going to try to sneak Cher out. And Fran's like, it's going to work. It's going to work. She looks just like Cher. Like, it's brilliant. And of course, she comes out and she looks nothing. She's impersonating (laughs) Cher, but she looks nothing like Cher. No one in their right (laughs) mind would be convinced that this is Cher. Um, But this was so... This humor and there were many other moments throughout the series where she sort of referred to queer people and um, trans people that, again, made me be like, yes, we're a punchline and we're, we're um, you know, providing humor to a, a mainstream audience, but we're also visible. And that was really exciting for me. But in general, in that show, the relationship between Niles and Cece, who, of course, in my opinion, are both clearly coded as gay, um, is iconic, like all of their comebacks. And roasting up each other. Like, I I dream of having someone in my life that I can treat that way. <laughs> that was the gayest
1: butler in the history of television. Yeah. And, and most believe. butlers
3: on TV are gay. Yeah, it is. Yeah. No, true. There's no way. There's no way. I don't know why they didn't just, I mean, I, they probably couldn't have a gay character on 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 a mainstream sitcom like that during primetime at that time. But to me, it seems clearly that he was coded gay. I have, I always actually thought William on Girlfriends was coded as gay. Me too. Um, and and, me too. And, and, there were a lot of jokes. A lot of
0: jokes. There weird were a lot jokes. of jokes, but they couldn't, mm-hmm. they couldn't
3: do it. And mm-hmm. Gilmore Girls, which isn't a comedy, you know, initially the character of Sticky St. James, by Melissa McCarthy, was supposed to be a lesbian. Um, but the WB wouldn't let them make her a lesbian, so they made her straight, and they made um, uh, Michelle, the, the black French guy that worked with... Um, um lauren graham's character at the inn they coded him as gay but they made him straight and then in the reboot he was out and married and i thought that was really just really interesting
1: yeah are there uh, just as an outro because we you know we got to keep moving but are there any like ken said are there any comedy specials or comedians or who are doing the thing right now that you want to give a little shine to that our audience could engage with contemporary comedians I'm, I'll am i go. <laughs> um, I love Miss Pat. I saw Miss Pat at the Netflix as a joke festival. The Miss Pat show is, I think, a good example of using humor to actually get people to talk about complicated things. I think at its best, um, you know, this is kind of what I try to do with poetry, which is like get in there with a dick joke and then be like, genocide. Genocide? Anybody? <laughs> oh Anybody genocide? Uh, because I think people I believe and this might just be me being a stupid optimist, but I do believe people can change but they hate being told what to do. And yep. I think humor is a way of because sometimes some people wouldn't wouldn't show up for the for the documentary but they absolutely would show up for the comedy and I'm yeah so I think that's just a wonderful tool that that humor can have. Same. I mean
3: so I there's a few people that I truly am standing right now who are all primarily stand-ups at the moment. Um, I really love Naomi Ekparrigan. I think she's just brilliant and incredibly funny, and she has a recent um, episode in the most recent season of the stand-ups on Netflix. Um, so, 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 so funny. I really love Mateo Lane, who I think is also incredibly funny um, and incredibly hot, if you are not following him on Instagram. And... Um, and I really love Patty Harrison. I really love her stand up. Me um, too. She doesn't, she doesn't have a hilarious. huge special somewhere. I don't think, unless I've missed it. But yeah, I just, I just will Google clips of her on YouTube and watch them on end. Sometimes when I need a good laugh, I think the, I just think she's a freaking genius.
2: I definitely love Sam J. Um, who's yeah. a writer for SNL, but also a stand-up mm-hmm. comedian. And I discovered her work when we did, a, we did a gig together. And it was, like, a gig that I, would like, was asked to do, and I didn't realize it was going to be me and a bunch of stand-up comedians, which is truly my own personal idea of hell. Mm-hmm. But she was just, like, number one, so funny, so smart. And we were, like, we just hung out with all the people backstage drinking whiskey until, like, 2 in the morning, and the show ended at, like, 10. And I would just, like... Every, everything she does since then I'm just like I consume it I will eat it up with a spoon it's so good
1: alright check some of those out hot bodies I'm feeling full but like I could fit one more thing inside of me Den knows how I feel uh, so to put the cherry on our top this week Kenya uh, why, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us what we're excited about now
0: Hey, Thotties, what's good? It's your girl Kenya here. So obviously this sounds a little different. I, as you heard, was in the episode. Uh, tried to do a dessert and that shit just wasn't funny. And the episode is about comedy. Um, so here we are doing another dessert. I think what is funny is going extinct. And that's currently what's happening with our world and the human race And so to cope with that, uh, Alex and I have been spending a lot of time thinking about when the world was beautiful before, as in like before the dinosaurs went extinct. So a very, very long time ago. And we've been getting into Prehistoric Planet.
5: Shout out Prehistoric Planet. This is producer Alex. Shout out David Attenborough. Ah, Love you. Um. Prehistoric planet is the absolutely perfect thing to watch because it's pure escapism. Uh. It literally, I think David Attenborough said, there's nothing else we can explore here in the current world. So let's just go back to when the dinosaurs were here and humans weren't there yet. Mm -hmm. So it's literally, there's some kind of new scientific technology where they have done CGI to all of the dinosaurs and the images and the cinematography are incredible because there's also scenery of Earth uh. before humans arrived on the planet. So it's completely untouched. Oceans, just beautiful land masses, desert. It's gorgeous. And I highly recommend watching it. Highly recommend it.
0: And it's also super interesting because I feel like with some digital um, reimaginations of things, mm-hmm. since you know what they look like, you're like, oh, that's fake. Mm-hmm. Um but first of all, the CGI here is fucking amazing. Just like looking at the screen, like they have done so well crafting these images. And also, we ain't never seen this shit before. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if they say that was a Mono Terra mm-hmm. source then listen, it was. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it is in my mind. And I've been really enjoying it.
5: Also, I want to give a shout out to the extra delectable content that they have created on Prehistoric Planet because... There are these really cool little five-minute videos that show the science behind all of the images and kind of how they came up with this is how the dinosaur looks. This is how the whale in prehistoric times looks. And David Attenborough's in there just kind of, you know, explaining the science and all of that. So we love An Extra Delectable Bite. Highly recommended to watch that after the episode. Um, what else, Ken? Yeah. Um- David, we love you. I love what you're doing for the planet, what you
0: tried to do. Mm. I respect that you're still in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think things are wild right now. You know, I mean, like comic relief is one thing, but it is another thing to explore the world that we literally cannot explore today Mm -hmm. um, through David's eyes, which I love.
5: So go watch Prehistoric Planet. Let us know what you think. Check it out. Check it out. Mwah.
1: This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our home at Stitcher. Our producer is the gorgeous Garganelli, Alexandra De Palma. Subscribe, Garganelli. subscribe rate, and review us five stars on iTunes or Joe Stops Using Facebook. <laughs> no, no, never, no! never. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H E Y T E B S, on Instagram
2: because I deleted Twitter. You can find me and pre-order my book, Virology, out very soon at www.virology.com.
3: I'm Den Michelle. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TheDenMichelle. And you can follow my editorial pursuits at Electric Literature. And stay tuned because we will have some really exciting things coming up there.
0: I'm Kenya Denise. You can follow me on IG at Kenya Digit, K-E-N-Y-A underscore D-I-G-G underscore I-T. Or uh, you can follow Domino Sound and don't follow Domino Sound um, at Domino Sound C-O. And that's on Instagram.
1: Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts, who read and Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics dick, pics. dick pics. to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thought spelled how?
2: T- T-H-O-T.
1: Everything's
2: coming up, Mill Oh, God.